Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Solvable. I'm Jacob Weisberg. If they can decode information and build a website or build an app and get some skills to help them get money, they wouldn't be trafficked. They wouldn't be young prostitutes. They wouldn't be abused because they have to depend on someone else. So I'm trying to change society problems at the same time giving young women um, skills so they don't end up like myself. Maryam Jem is the founder of I Am The Code. Her organization teaches young people computer literacy and coding. According to the World Wide Web Foundation, men continue to be 21% more likely to be online than women. And they're around 50% more likely to be online when we look at the world's least developed countries. That gap represents a huge difference in access. Access to information, access to learning, and engagement with the rest of the world. We are helping young women to become digitally intelligent. They know how Instagram was created, how Facebook was created. And we help them get into the information where they know how actually the solution were created. My interview with Maryam Jem first ran last year. We wanted to air it again as a bit of holiday inspiration. Maryam's example shows that people who seem to have the least power in the world can make a tremendous difference through sheer determination and creative thinking. It's also a reminder that smart investments can have a transformative impact on the lives of large numbers of people. My solo goal is to get one million women and girls to learn how to code by the year 2030. Mary, obviously your efforts to teach girls to code reflects your own experience. I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about how you came to this idea. I am from Senegal, West Africa. That's where I was born. When I was growing up, I didn't have any education, so I didn't go to school. 
I couldn't read and write until I was 16 years old. And uh, when I was 11 years old, I was abused by my Quranic teacher. My country is a Muslim country. So when I was 13 years old, I was trafficked from Senegal to France. I ended up in the UK. So I used to do cleaning jobs and working in bars and hotels. I used to see people in suits and things like that, and they wanted to find a job. And um, I remember the, you know, some of the ladies were telling me, you know, we can't find your job because you don't have any skills. We can't put you in banks or we can't put you, you know, in supermarkets, things like that, because you need to communicate. Also, you need to speak English. My English was very, very broken. And then slowly, slowly, I started going to a local library and learning how to read and, you know, being very disciplined and focused. And every day I'll spend two hours at the library and then I uh, start learning uh, maths and, and how to input data on Excel. I started um, to learn how to code. In that time, Google was born. On their platform, they had a, a blog people can write and then the blog will be converted. Um, you know, so you can write some text and the text will be converted into into blog and I discovered that. Um, but in that time, I had... And so many anger in me and so many frustration. I was asking myself why I was in the UK, you know, why my mom abandoned us as children. So I had a lot of questions. And then uh, I was looking at BBC and TV, you know, all these channels. And then I just saw Bob Geldof and Bono, um, you know, <laughs> doing the... <laughs> Doing the live aid thing and that just really make me very upset. And uh, I think that the way they came about was like, you know, okay, we are the saviors of Africa. We're going to save the whole world. You were upset because it was, it seemed condescending to you. Yeah, it was really weird because I, I saw that, you know, like everybody was talking about poverty. And then I said, well, you know, actually... I was this sort of, I was this young woman in Africa growing up and you didn't do anything about it. And, you know, it wasn't their fault really, but I think, you know, people <laughs> could understand my my frustration. And then I wrote a an open letter to Bono and Bob Geldof um, for the first time and, and asked them to back off from Africa. You wrote to them, just to make this clear, on the blog that you created after teaching yourself to read and write, teaching yourself to code and building yourself at a at a public library. Yeah, my first open letter was to Bob Geldof and Bono. So I just asked them to back off from Africa. And then the Guardian picked it up, showed it to Bob Geldof. He didn't like it. Um, you know, <laughs> Bono didn't like it either. And they thought that I was very ungrateful as an African. And then, uh, you know, in the end, they actually saw, you know, my point And that created a one international which is now Bono's organization, I got called to come in and find a way to help them understand that the message they're trying to portray in, in Europe is totally different to what's happening underground. It's such an amazing story that after suffering this abuse and neglect, lack of education, 16, you taught yourself to do all of these things that people with tremendous opportunities in many cases haven't haven't learned to do, such as coding, the way you have. I mean, it raises the question, Miriam, whether you're just an extraordinary person or whether you're a model that a lot of other um, poor people can follow. I get asked that question. I don't think I'm, I'm special, but I think that the, the trauma I've lived as a child you know, will never go away. It's still, it's still on me. And um, I see that with young girls growing up in refugee camps, for example. When you've been through difficulty in life and uh, you've been through trauma, you try to find a way to get by. And this is the mentality I have now where I live day by day. Every day is, is another day. And um, I just think that, you know, I become very tenacious in 
getting things done. Why the focus on coding as the skill that can provide this vehicle, particularly for for girls, to get out of their terrible circumstances? I mean, presumably there are lots of skills you could learn as a, as a young person that would help you out of poverty, help give you access to power to the wider world. It started when I started to learn maths at the library and then uh, starting reading dictionaries and understanding words because bear in mind when I came to the UK, I couldn't understand English. I couldn't decode the information and so you could put words in front of me. I wouldn't really understand them. I used to pick up books with numbers and I started coding, really using HTML words from the beginning because I could put some, some numbers and then it will translate on a page. And then I think that what I'm trying to do now is trying to talk to girls about digital skills and um, and many many of the applications we use around the world for example people don't know how it was made and I, I've been always fascinated in how things are made and designed and uh, you know who is behind the, the things doing things and I like to to see things being translated in numbers but also being translated in words and I see this with uh, refugees now and Syrian refugees and people in Lebanon for example when you are poor or you've been traumatized, you you consume information very, very quickly. So I have a photographic memory where I don't forget things. All that uh, that combination have helped me to learn how to code seven coding languages in two years. And then I had to go back to the agency to tell them, actually, now I'm a coder. And the lady didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> so so now I'm a coder and I build a website and I'm a full stack developer. I, I, I really like numbers and, and words, yeah. The, your organization has the very suggestive and interesting name, I Am the Code, which I guess speaks to that pride in, in learning it. But also, you know, we use the expression cracking the code when you figure something out. And it's not just learning to program and write software, but figuring out this larger code of how the world works. Am I reading too much into your the name of your organization? No, no, you're absolutely right. But I think there was something else about it because I think what happened is during the years, I was called to um, give a, you know, a major speech at um, Davos and I was very, very nervous and I didn't know what to do and what to say. I've never met those influential, powerful people before. And then I, I said to my son, you know, what do you think I should say? My son said, well, mommy, you are the code. And um, <laughs> what I translated from that conversation was, uh, you know, I'm tenacious. I don't give up, um, you know, despite the childhood I had, I don't give up. And then despite that, I'm helping other young women to to get confidence. And uh, that then created a, a massive conversation at Davos because I I was the first Senegalese woman to teach uh, white middle class women in Guildford where I live how to code. And now we have uh, many, many women coding there. But what I'm saying is that, yes, you are the code. You can learn how to code. But at the same time, you have the key to unlock your life. You have the key to build your life despite, um, you know, all the challenges and all the difficulty. You can get this key and go in and open the doors for yourself and for other people. Uh, so I Am The Code is about coding. At the same time, is about giving women and girls uh, power to go and change their lives. Software has traditionally been dominated by men. And so many of the issues we're seeing now around harassment and abuse online, around uh, software encoding discrimination, seems to reflect to some extent that it's men who've written most of it. Do you see that as part of the problem you're addressing by bringing women into uh, coding and software design? 
That's true. Men men have done that. Uh, but I think also, you know, women used to crack the code and they used to decode information, but they never had any visibility uh, or any credit given to them for many, many years. We had many women inventors who understood mathematics and science. Uh, they understood so many, uh, you know, how the world was functioning. They actually, you know, if you just look at the GPS, was invented by uh, by a woman. But I think sometimes we just forgot those stories and those inventors who have helped us become who we are today. You know, we're not giving confidence to young women to to go for it, not just, uh, you know, because they can, but also women have more empathy, uh, they have more compassion and kindness when they're designing solutions because they design solutions for their communities and for, you know, the real problems. Men, they design things because they, you know, it's kind of like cool and they can make money or they can just launch an IPO very quickly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, women design things to, you know, to help their communities and help their friends. Uh, that's what I saw my young women actually do. In uh, it's one thing to try to teach women to code in Guildford. It's another thing to try to teach young women to code in Senegal, for example. There must be a lot of obstacles to trying to to set up and communicate what you're trying to communicate in some of the places you're trying to do it. Can you talk about some of those challenges? That's very true. We we have a lot of challenges where the women we have in Guildford are totally different to the women we have in uh, in the refugee camp in Kenya or in Senegal. But I, what I've learned during the last three years is that it's not a location problem. It's actually they're all smart young women who want to learn, uh, you know, a different skill. So we have changed the word coding to digital skills. For example, we are helping young women to become digitally intelligent. They know how Instagram was created, how Facebook was created, and we help them get into the information where they know how actually the solution were created. And I think that if we start giving young women and girls the power to uh, understand, you know, how wireframes are made and how things are written, uh, the code behind it, how to edit it and how to review the code and how to make it more empathetic, for example, or how the AI, how the data was collected and, and who is involved. Um, we're now in 64 countries. I've seen so many young women and girls um, and it's really not a location problem, but it's a systematic problem. And that's why going and teaching young women and girls basic mathematics and basic science and, and helping them understand the global issues like climate change, gender equality, uh, you know, how do you reduce inequality and how do you get a bank account? Uh, things like that uh, help a young woman to become very powerful because she knows she's participating. That's how she changed her community, changed change her lives. Uh, and then there's less abuse, for example, and she's, uh, she's very, very confident afterward. I think the training sessions you run are open to boys as well, although maybe they're more girls than boys. Is there a difference in trying to teach girls versus teach boys to code? No, no, there's no big difference. Um, the reason why we wanted to include some of the boys, because we, when we set up I Am The Code, the mission was to actually get one million uh, women and girls coders. And we find out that when we're doing the, the clubs, boys want to be part of it. And if you look into some Muslim countries, like in Afghanistan, in Senegal, in Sudan, for example, we need to get the boys involved. And in Mali, in Niger, because um, despite us going and teaching girls how to code, there are some societal issues 
issues where the young woman is still, you know, looked down to, uh, you know, they, the parents are not very confident in letting them go. So we get the young boys, uh, you know, who are almost like their brothers and their cousins to be part of the clubs and then support the young women to be part of it. Uh, in Senegal, we had to get some of the boys to come and support the young women. And we respect the culture of the countries, but it's very important we teach young boys gender equality and how to be kind to young women and girls. And then they usually work together. Uh, we just want to make sure that we create a little bit of balance, but also help young boys to be part of the I Am The Code movement. Because I believe that the only way we can uh, achieve gender equality is by educating uh, boys and men to um, to understand women issues. Some of the people you've taught have already started to have meaningful success in their careers, and some of them are are becoming entrepreneurs. Is that part of your mission? Are you helping to coach people to start their own businesses, to start their own organizations? Yeah, well, we have women millionaires in Senegal. So we have uh, yeah we have amazing young women who are now entrepreneurs. They're doing amazingly well in their countries. They're building solutions. They're sitting government, for example. They sit in telecom companies. You know, some of our young girls are now mothers. Their children are now coming back to the I Am the Code program. The I Am the Code idea has been cooking for the last five years uh, and beyond that. So all the young women I've been mentoring for the last ten years have now become you know the I Am the Code ambassadors. They're taking I Am the Code in their communities. It has almost become uh, this this family now. People are paying back and giving back to the community. And they're now building their businesses, which are really, really important for the Africa tech ecosystem. Because in the past, we didn't think about women as agent of change or, you know, agent of uh, economic development. But we thought many uh, African women, young women, were seen as object of development. Uh, you know, the NGOs just, you know, giving handout and helping them with agriculture programs, things like that. That. But now the women are actually designing their own uh, e-commerce sites. They're designing their own uh, solutions in Senegal. In Kenya, for example, they are climate change activists. Um, they're using technology to create campaigns, for example. One of our young women in Kenya has done a lot of work on deforestation. So the idea really is to use technology as a way of empowering these young women and girls. But at the same time, teaching them skills that will give them job, give them money. Uh, and ultimately, you know, they become uh, very proud of themselves. That's that's the goal of I Am The Code. You talk about teaching a million girls to code by 2030 in, in just a decade. How are you doing on that goal and how realistic is that? Oh, it's very realistic. Uh, we've done so far 14,000 young women and girls are part of the I Am The Code program. Uh, and we didn't have any PR, any marketing. We're in 64 countries. It's really overwhelming to see how the, the program has reached so many, many uh, women, not just in Africa, but across the world, in China, in Japan. It's very large now, and, and uh, it's, it's quite uh, humbling to see young women having their lives uh, changed through I Am The Code. I didn't expect that. So 14,000 to a million, you have, by my calculation, 986,000 to go. <laughs> uh, how, how will you finance that? Who will help to support you in that incredibly ambitious goal? We will reach the goal because we have over 27 uh, companies worldwide who have committed to the number already. And so we are working with corporates to get their staff members to become volunteers. We have women calling us. They want to become champions. So they want to use their network to 
to help uh, spread the word, like, you know, your program is definitely going to help us, you know, get more visibility out there. Uh, and we also have digital clubs. We have hackathons. We have, uh, you know, so many boot camps. People are just joining because they can see that uh, it makes sense. Now we have young girls actually coming to work for I Am The Code. Miriam, I know listeners are hearing you talk and asking what they can do to help support your efforts and the goal generally. What are some of the things that that people listening might be able to do to advance the goal? They can definitely become mentors to the girls. Uh, They can become ambassadors of I Am The Code. They can run their own hackathons. They can provide space for us. They can be part of the, you know, the movement to get some of the young girls coding. We have many corporate organizations, for example, who are giving us space. They're giving us some hours to volunteer for I Am The Code and they're opening their offices to have digital club. And they're also traveling with us to meet the girls in the most difficult places around the world. Uh, we are the first organization to go into refugee camp in uh, in Kenya where 200,000 people live in the refugee camp. 18,000 of them are women and girls and they are the first young women and girls in a refugee camp to learn how to code. Um, and we in slums, we in favelas in Brazil. We are in places where I grew up as a young girl. And the reason why I'm going back there is to um, to tell the world that those people, they matter by going back and giving, holding those young girls' hand and helping them to be confident and to also gain a skill. I believe that coding is the future. If they can decode information and build a website or build an app and get some skills to help them get money, they wouldn't be trafficked. They wouldn't be young prostitutes. They wouldn't be abused because they have to depend on someone else. So I'm trying to change society problems at the same time, giving young women um, skills so they don't end up like myself. And how about here in the United States, Maryam? Is there a role for your organization to play here? Are you active here? We have some uh, major banks who want to support I Am The Code and hopefully we're going to go to deprived communities because our content is free. People can use them in prisons. They can use them in places in the UK. We go to prisons and places where we can rehabilitate people. So we're hoping that by the beginning of 2020, I Am The Code will be in the United States. Yeah. It's such an audacious idea to say someone who's been a victim of trafficking should be writing software. Have you seen other women who followed the kind of path that you did and had that extraordinary transformation? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen many women who, some women who've been trafficked and had difficulty in their life, but mainly they go into the activism world and share their stories with other people around the world. But for me, that's not enough. I'm a pioneer in system change. That's what I do. I I change systems in countries and in government. And I believe that the reason why I was trafficked from Senegal and the reason why my mother actually abandoned us as children and, and um, you know, I was abused and raped by my Quranic teacher in my country in Senegal and ultimately trafficked from Senegal is because the system of the country was broken. And so what I try to do if I am the code at the same time is how do you fix systems in countries? How do you educate government and the private sector to understand that actually, you know, if you mess up one child's life, you're not just messing up her life, but you're messing up the entire community's life. For example, we don't have birth certificate. We totally are incognito in Senegal. And I see this to 
today in the refugee camp where, you know, the West is just watching things happening to, to mil- millions of women and girls from Senegal to Nepal. So unless someone come up with something very ambitious and very uh, ruthless like I am the code, nothing will happen. And I've seen change happening from from Buenos Aires to um, to Senegal just because I dare to to be visible and I dare to tell the world, if you don't want to find out any more women being trafficked and taken away, you have to change the system in the country. You don't want to have any more immigrants in Europe or in the United States. Change the system in their countries. Give them the skills. And then as soon as you do that, they wouldn't need to come here. That's why I want young girls to have the skills in their countries and build their businesses in their countries. And if they want to travel, they can have a they can travel in a very legal way without being insulted. I'm just trying to fix some of the, the problems the world has failed to fix. Maryam Sham is the founder of I Am The Code. Be sure to check out our show pages for ways that you can get involved with I Am The Code and learn more about coding and poverty eradication. This interview was edited by Chalk and Blade. Solvable is produced by Camille Baptista, Jocelyn Frank, Catherine Girardot, and Mia Lobel. I'm Jacob Weisberg. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.